Welcome to the Quillette Podcast. My name is Claire Lehman and I am Editor-in-Chief of Quillette. Quillette is where free thought lives. We are an independent grassroots platform for heterodox ideas and fearless commentary. Our podcast is a team effort and is jointly hosted by myself, Associate Editor Toby Young and Canadian Editor Jonathan Kay. You can support our podcast by visiting patreon.com forward slash Quillette and becoming a monthly patron. By becoming a monthly patron, you'll also receive our weekly newsletter. Hello and welcome to the Quillette Podcast. I'm Jonathan Kay, Quillette's Canadian editor. As some listeners may know, Twitter recently has been taking a hard line against some of its users, and not all of the targets of this new policy are what most of us would call trolls or hate mongers. Last week, for instance, Twitter permanently banned a conservative U.S. combat veteran and popular writer named Jesse Kelly. And in Canada, Twitter also has permanently deplatformed Megan Murphy, a prominent young Vancouver-based feminist, writer, and activist who often has been criticized by trans activists in online debates over gender issues. Twitter's move has created an international uproar. According to British feminist Julie Bindle, a recent contributor to Quillette, what has happened to Murphy will act as a deterrent to other feminists. So-called progressive men are telling us we have to accept a dude as a woman or we will be damned by history. Megan Murphy, who is the founder and editor of the website Feminist Current, joined me by phone for an interview this week. Here is a recording of our discussion. Megan, hello. Hey, how are you? Good. So how long have you been off Twitter? Since Friday night, I was at the bar with a friend and checked my email and had a notification that my account had been permanently suspended, which I guess uh, they had time to do on a Friday night. I guess they didn't have anything better to do. And how many followers did you have? I don't know for certain because I hadn't checked before I was permanently banned, but I think it was close to 25,000 at that point. And how did you react at that moment? I was completely shocked. I was really upset. I don't like to show weakness in public, <laughs> and I'm pretty resilient. Not much affects me, to be honest. I mean, I've gone through all sorts of hell on the Internet and in terms of the work that I have I do, and uh, I've been attacked many, many times, harassed many, many times, threatened many, many times. None of this bothers me. It's fine. I don't care if people disagree with me. I don't care if people don't like me. I don't care if people call me names. But this actually did get to me, to be honest. I'm an independent writer and a journalist, and I don't have any you know, company supporting me. I don't have a job. I'm not employable because of how controversial I am and because of the risks that I've taken in doing my work. And I do depend on social media to connect with people, to have an audience. Five years ago, I really wouldn't have cared too much. And I think that a lot of people, maybe people who don't use Twitter or maybe people who don't use Twitter in a professional capacity, people who are not public figures, as I am, or who aren't journalists and writers, as I am, might think it's not that big of a deal and might think it's kind of silly. It's like, oh, well, it's just Twitter, you know, like I've heard people say to me many times, <laughs> things like, well, Twitter isn't real life. But, of course, it is real life. <laughs> I mean, these are real people who are on Twitter. This is a real space where news happens, where people go to to find information. I mean, people follow news stories 
on Twitter rather than on the news in many cases. And it's where people go to have conversations and to watch conversations happen and to share their views and to see what people are talking about. And again, you know, for someone like me, who's my job, my platform, it's, it's me. It's something that I've created. I think for, you know, many other writers and journalists, they probably work for someone else. They work for a magazine or an online newspaper. I don't. And the only reason that I've been able to speak out, honestly, and in the way that I have and about the controversial issues that I've spoken about for many years is because I built my own platform. In some rough ways, this is the equivalent of somebody who has a business on Pinterest or eBay and they just wake up and they find their store has been closed down? Yep. That is part of it. It's certainly an attack on my income. It's more so an attack on my voice and my free speech, of course. Feminist Current isn't going to not be supported anymore because I'm not on Twitter. But uh, I do get work through Twitter. People see me and find out about me and contact me and ask me to write things. I get media requests because of tweets and because of things that I say on Twitter and because of my presence there, you know, I had a really big audience, a lot of supporters, a lot of people who engaged with me. And so it's obviously an attack on my voice and my ability to speak about the things that I speak about, which are things that people want me to stop speaking about. But it's also an effort to, you know, to like take my income away from me, which I think is really kind of disgusting. It's all disgusting. It's disgusting to try to stop someone from speaking because you don't agree with them or you don't like what they're saying or because you don't want to contend with their arguments. But it's also disgusting to try to take away employment and an income from somebody who, I mean, I don't make very much money. I'm sure people can imagine if they're rational people, how much money you make writing about feminism independently online. It's not that much. Could you talk a little bit about the substance of what you've been writing about at your website, Feminist Current, and, and what you tweet about? Because it's, I think it's the furthest thing from what a, lo- what a lot of people would expect and associate with material that gets you thrown off social media. Right. I mean, as far as I can tell, the only people who have gotten permanently banned from Twitter are people who are these super alt-right provocateurs and who are advocating pretty awful ideas. I don't think they should be banned from Twitter. I don't really think anybody should be banned from Twitter necessarily, unless they're, you know, posting graphic violence or literally inciting violence against someone else or a group. But yeah, I mean, my work has been primarily against violence against women. (laughs) I mean, like, what I've been doing on Feminist Current and in my, my freelance work is to oppose male violence against women, so things like domestic abuse, sexual assault, rape, and against pornography, against prostitution, the sex industry as a whole, and to generally try to fight misogyny and the sexualization of violence against women and the normalization of violence against women. I started writing about gender identity and transgender ideology. There's a lot of lefties in Canada who were really unhappy about my my critiques of the the sex trade and my efforts to support the Nordic model, which criminalizes the purchase of sex, they started a petition to have me fired from Ravel.ca, which, as you know, is a a Canadian left-wing 
online magazine claiming that I was transphobic because of what I'd written about Laverne Cox and, you know, horophobic and a swerf and a turf and everything for really just making what I consider to be basic, obvious feminist arguments about the objectification of women and the buying and selling of women's bodies. But it sounds like in, in recent months, it's come to a, a more fevered pitch. Is that because of a, a policy at Twitter? Yeah, so I was not aware that there was a new policy at Twitter. But uh, obviously, Twitter in the background has been cracking down on people who challenge gender identity ideology, gender identity legislation, and the idea of transgenderism, as well as anybody really who challenges or critiques any trans activist or trans-identified person. I was locked out of my account in August for tweeting about this uh, local man who's uh, involved in a couple unions here in Vancouver. He's involved in the labor movement. He has a lot of like lefty allies over here. He transitioned not that long ago. He hasn't had surgery, and I don't think he's even on hormones or anything like that. But he identifies as a woman and also works as a dominatrix. So I tweeted about that, and I had tweeted that he had gone after Feminist Current's ad revenue. He also started a smear campaign against a local anti-poverty activist named Yuli Chan here in Vancouver and got her to be platformed from a conference. So I was just tweeting. I wasn't attacking him. I was stating facts. I was just saying, this person did this. Um, and Twitter locked down my account and forced me to remove all those tweets, which is interesting, right? Because obviously this guy has some pull over at Twitter safety. So I guess that's when they sort of started to crack down on this stuff. But because I had not had any issues with my account ever before then, and then nothing really happened again until November this month, and I was shut down for tweeting men aren't women and for asking what the difference is between a trans woman and a man, and then shut down again for publicly complaining about that. So just to be clear, I mean, you, you do have the emails to prove this. Part of the discipline process was because you tweeted that men aren't women. Is that correct? Right. But that's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, I've, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going after any individual and saying, hey, you're, you're not a woman. And I was responding to somebody who I was trying to engage with and explain my argument to. And they had responded to me and misrepresented my argument or misunderstood my argument. So I responded and said, no, my argument is that men aren't women. My argument's not, I don't think that trans-identified people should exist or that I think they're bad or, you know, that I want to legislate them out of existence, like these kinds of things that I'm often accused of, that, I, that you know, trans people don't exist or whatnot. You know, I was like, no, what I'm saying is that men aren't women. I don't believe that males can become females. That's not, a, or it should not be a controversial statement. But apparently Twitter has been changing their terms of service behind the scenes uh, and didn't let anyone know about it until Friday. It seems that Friday is when the media caught wind of this change in their terms of service, which now includes uh, misgendering and saying that's against the rules. Can I go back to this individual? You call this person a man. It sounds like they call themselves a woman. But my understanding is that this person has recorded videos in which they say all kinds of, of, of really intensely misogynistic things. Is, is this person 
Are they still on Twitter in good standing? Oh, yeah. And um, and of course, you know, I've been threatened with literal violence <laughs> countless times on Twitter. You know, the amount of people who have told me to die and choke and drink bleach and that I should be sent to the gulag and all sorts of other disgusting, violent things. You know, none of those people's accounts are, are shut down. Those tweets are not addressed by Twitter, but me making the statement, men aren't women, and asking questions about this idea of transgenderism, you know, what is it? What does it mean? What does transgender mean? What does it mean to be a trans woman? That got me banned. Have you received messages or emails from people who are trans who themselves are are confused by what Twitter is doing? Yes, tons of messages. I've gotten tons of emails, even more so lately, but in general, I've got emails from people who identify as transsexual, their words, not mine. Or, you know, like I got an email from a man who said, I'm a literal man in the man in a dress. I support you. You know, like I, I feel like there's so many people who identify as transgender or transsexual who are honest about their feelings. And, and, you know, some of them don't really understand why they feel this way, but they accept the fact that they're Males who want to be women or who like dressing like women for whatever reason and um, don't go around attacking people who also understand at the same time that sex exists and that while at one time they may have identified as just regular old men, now they're identifying as trans women and, and they've, you know, offered my support I don't think that most people, certainly not most people in the world, but I don't even know that most people in the transgender community, whatever that is, support the behavior of these few trans activists who are going around bullying and threatening and silencing people who who ask questions about their ideology and their activism and who want to say, hey, like biological sex still exists. You can do whatever you want in your life. I don't care what you wear. If you want to get surgery, go for it, I guess. Like, it seems like a pretty serious step, but go for it. If it's going to make you feel better, I'm not going to stop you. And wanting to talk about and ask questions about the new legislation that's being pushed through all around the world. You don't sound like somebody who hates transgender people. And I, I use the term hate because that these policies at Twitter and Facebook are, they're meant to suppress expressions of hatred. I can't say, I followed you on Twitter for years, I can't say I've ever seen anything from you that suggests that you actually hate people so much as maybe you you hate certain policies. Uh, Has there ever been anything you tweeted that you actually deleted and say, you know what, that's hateful, I really did cross over the line? Nope. (laughs) I mean, I'm like quite forceful, like I have strong opinions, but I've never tweeted anything that could be construed as hateful or inciting violence or hate speech or anything like that. There's just no way. When you tweet about transgender people, do you use their preferred pronouns? If it's a trans woman, will you say she? If it's a trans man, will you say he? No, I don't want to lie. And I think it's a lie. And I I don't want to go along with, I don't agree with transgender ideology. I don't think that it's possible to change sex. I don't think that it's necessary to pretend that it's possible to change sex in order to ensure that trans-identified people aren't discriminated against. I think that what we should be fighting for and what feminists do fight for is for people to be allowed to diverge or, you know, not follow 
gender roles to, to step out of gender stereotypes and to not be harassed or, or threatened or discriminated against. But I don't want to pretend. I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's true that you can be born in the wrong body. I think you're just born with a body and you might not like it. I mean, you can see why people might think that's at the very least rude, no? Sure. I can see that people would find it rude. And, and like I said, I did sort of try to use people's preferred pronouns initially. And then I just, you know, I have to be consistent in terms of my arguments. I spend a lot of time thinking and forming arguments and engaging with debate and thinking about ideas critically. And it would not be consistent for me to make the arguments that I'm making, but then at the same time to go along with this uh, thing that pretends that men can become women and women can become men. And I think that it has larger consequences. Like it's one thing if in your personal life you have a friend who identifies as a trans woman and you refer to him as she, I would probably do that too, you know? But it's a different thing in, in, a, in a public context and in terms of the law and in terms of policy when you start forcing people to do that. And because they're forcing people to do that, I may not have doubled down if I didn't see this bullying and this attempt to force people to use this language and to force people to go along with this lie and this ideology. I mean, if you want to identify as a woman in the privacy of your own home or in your life, like that's different than enforcing this public policy and this legislation and, and enforcing that on everyone else. And if people don't go along with it, accusing them of hate crime. In like in the UK, for example, the legislation that is being debated right now allows people to self-identify as whatever sex they like. So all you have to do is fill out a form and you can legally change your ID from male to female. There's no processes. There's no, you don't need a doctor's note. You don't need to have lived as a woman in quotations or have had surgery or be on hormones. Then that means that he's allowed to enter into women's spaces like women and girls change rooms, women's washrooms, women's transition houses, female prisons, things like that. They're allowed to apply for, you know, for example, grants or positions that are reserved specifically for women. In the UK, there's a debate based around these uh, all-women shortlists, which ensured that there was a specific amount of positions for female MPs. And the Labour Party was talking about allowing trans women to access those positions, meaning that, you know, like a, a policy that was put in place based on the notion and the understanding that there's a history of women being underrepresented in politics was now being dissolved in order to allow men access to those positions, just men who happen to wear dresses. Beyond that, you know, like the idea of gender identity goes against feminist analysis. So as a feminist, I think that gender stereotypes are often sexist and harmful. By gender stereotypes, I mean things like the idea that women are inherently irrational and emotional and passive and subordinate, and the idea that men are, for example, inherently aggressive and dominant and rational and unemotional and adventurous and violent. Oh, and, you know, like this idea that women are kind of pretty things to look at and that we're inherently drawn to, like, makeup and high heels and sexy outfits and lacy lingerie. 
and that men are inherently drawn to pants and comfortable shoes <laughs> and that boys automatically like playing with trucks and girls automatically like playing with dolls. Like these are boxes that we don't need in this society. I think, you know, people have personalities and people should be allowed to wear what clothes they want to wear and, you know, kids should be able to play with whatever toys they want to play and I don't think that it's good to assume that men are unemotional and that women are emotional. So when we're talking about gender identity, what we're saying is actually all those traits are inherent and that if you're a man, if you're a boy who likes playing with dolls and likes to wear dresses, uh, if you're a man who likes high heels and pantyhose and who, I don't know, likes to behave in stereotypically feminine ways, that means that you are actually literally female. So it's this idea that these stereotypes do determine your sex, which is a pretty old-fashioned idea that feminists well, fought against what? for a really long time. But when you point that out to people, does that click? I think that when you, like when I explain those ideas to people in my regular life, uh, when I talk about these ideas among feminists, you know, when I talk to people who are interested in having uh, rational honest conversation about these issues, of course they get that. Even if they disagree with what my arguments are around gender, which lots of people do. I mean, lots of people think that gender traits are inherent and things like that. And, you know, there's conversations that we can have about that and that I'm open to having. But what I'm trying to explain is the feminist analysis of gender and gender goals. And so people do in general understand that. But when you try to discuss these things with trans activists, they won't engage. So I'm not sure if that, if that they don't get it. Or that it's just that they don't want to admit that what they're doing is accepting and pushing these kind of sexist ideas about gender roles. Because trans activists, of course, like to claim that they're making feminist arguments and progressive arguments, not regressive sexist arguments. For years now, prominent figures in the Canadian media have talked about how we need more bold female voices in the public sphere since you've been suspended, or I guess permanently banned from Twitter, has there been an outpouring from other progressives and other feminists in Canada protesting what's happened to you? Uh, certainly not from leftists. <laughs> I've seen some leftists online saying some really horrible, awful things about me. I've seen progressives even posting outright lies and posting libel about me online now that they know that I can't respond. So that's pretty disappointing, but not shocking because I feel that the left in Canada has sort of proven itself to be lacking in integrity. And I do want to add, actually, that I mean, I have I have a ton of support from feminists in Canada and all around the world and in general from people all around the world from various places on the political spectrum. Um, I've received tons and tons and tons of support, an overwhelming amount of support. In fact, like far, I have far more supporters than I do detractors, for sure. But uh, I think as a progressive, even if you're supportive of gender identity legislation and you want to be what they would maybe refer to as an ally to the trans movement or the trans community or trans-identified people, you can still argue that I have the right to make these arguments and to bring up my concerns and to try to have a conversation about these ideas. I've seen some voices online talking about Twitter banning you, expressing a little bit of schadenfreude on the basis that 
in a previous iteration of your career, you sometimes rooted for people to be deplatformed. I've never tried to deplatform anyone. I've probably written kind of like obnoxious posts saying that people should shut up, which I regret writing now. But I feel like that writing like snarky posts telling somebody to shut up is different than uh, actually actively trying to deplatform somebody, which I have not done. It sounds like it was shocking when Twitter threw you off their platform completely. But I remember the last couple of weeks I was I was reading your tweets and it did sort of feel like you were tempting fate. Twitter would send you a message. You would then screenshot the message and saying, what the hell? Was there something inside you that almost wanted to get thrown off Twitter? I did not want to get thrown off Twitter and I did not think I was going to get thrown off Twitter. <laughs> I, can, I refuse to stop talking about this and I refuse to not publicize what's going on because I think it's really dangerous. I'm not the kind of person who backs down. I'm not going to cater to bullies. I'm not going to be bullied. I'm not going to let people shut me up and stop asking what I consider to be important questions. I'm not going to not tell the truth. I'm not going to start lying publicly because people are bullying me. So that's what that's about. I was quite shocked when I got kicked off. I mean, yeah, at the same time, I felt like I was like, they're going after me. I felt like I was being kind of harassed. It looked like that's what they were trying to work up to doing. But I also didn't understand any of my tweets as, you know, hateful. I just, it seemed so irrational to me. And what did get me banned was not what I was saying you know, I wasn't banned for a new tweet. I was banned for an old tweet that uh, was from a couple of weeks ago that I'd never gotten a warning about and that I didn't think was wrong. You know, like when I tweeted the tweet that I got banned for, I thought that that was an okay thing to tweet and it wouldn't have occurred to me that I would get suspended over that. Is it less stressful to live with? I know there's professional ramifications, but on, a, on an hour to hour basis, is it nice not to have to worry about Twitter? I don't find Twitter stressful. I like Twitter. <laughs> Do you see a plan B on social media if you're not going to use Twitter? I mean, I'm going to use any social media that I can use to communicate with people and get my message out and to continue doing my work. I think that what Twitter is doing right now is not going to work well for them. People are really, really angry online. What happened to me has been getting a lot of media coverage. Um, people are fighting it. And it's not just me, you know, like they're cracking down on all sorts of people. There's people who are getting banned and suspended and locked out every day on Twitter for saying things like I've said, you know, for tweeting about me, for tweeting about other um, feminists who are critical of the trans movement and gender identity ideology. They're really amping this up in a way that they were not at all in, in the past. This is a really recent thing that they're doing and people are, are angry about it. So I suspect that people are going to want to go somewhere else. And so I'm open to definitely exploring other platforms. I'm definitely interested in reaching new audiences. So that's, you know, I'm going to start a YouTube channel. I've been meaning to do that for a really long time. But I'm interested in general and, you know, having conversations with different kinds of people who may not, you know, share the same ideas as me. Every time I've ever been on YouTube, 
there's like a ton of comments that are like feminism is cancer and this lady is crazy <laughs> you know so i suspect that the comment section will be interesting once i move to youtube and it'll be a new challenge for me to engage with people who hate feminism which i i'm fine with and happy to engage with those people i find it kind of interesting there's platforms like minds which sounds interesting and i've, I've opened an account there and i actually got an email from the CEO today saying, you know, like, you're welcome here. This is a place for free speech, et cetera. So, yeah, I suspect people are going to be really wanting to find new avenues that aren't controlled by these multi-billion dollar corporations who want to dictate what people are allowed to say. I actually opened up a Minds account a couple of days ago. Um, I'm just testing it out now, but it's, it's something I never would have thought of as recently as a month or two ago. If people want to reach you through the Minds social network, which they may not have heard of, but apparently it has a, over a million users, what is your username on Minds? It is, it is Megan Murphy, M-E-G-H-A-N-M-U-R-P-H-Y. So I'm there and I'm going to be posting there. And of course, I'm also on Facebook and started a Facebook, a separate Facebook page so that I can engage with the public in a different way because obviously my comments aren't open to the public on my personal Facebook page. I have a public Instagram account now. So yeah, I'm kind of exploring different avenues. I'm going to do anything I can to keep talking. Megan, before you go, could you look me up on Minds? I'm John K underscore Toronto. I don't know quite how it works yet, but I think you have to send me like a lightning bolt and I send you back a fluffy cloud. Wire me? <laughs> wire, yeah. It's, it's, um, okay, okay. who knows? In five years, maybe we're all going to be wiring each other because Twitter has thrown all of us off their social okay. media platform. Good. I just wired you. I don't know what that means. <laughs> It is the first ever real-time media wiring in podcast history. Uh, Megan, thank you for being with us and for keeping your sense of humor in a tough time. We really appreciate having you on the Quillette Podcast. Take care. Take care. If you would like to support Quillette, please consider becoming a patron. Head to our Patreon page. That's patreon.com forward slash Quillette. If you haven't already, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Do you like what you're hearing? Perhaps you would like to read more about the issues in today's discussion. Head to colette.com where you will find more content.